Welcome back, ladies and gents. This is the Randall McDaniel episode of Pipe It Up. That's right, number 64. Very famous athlete. If you haven't heard of him, look it up. You learn something new every day. All right, cue the intro. Randall McDaniel, eh? What a stud. Jack Jack knows his athletes. I mean, I, I'd be honest, I have no idea who Randall McDaniel is, but I'll have to do a Google search myself. Vikings guard, he was a great player. <laughs> you gotta you gotta love the guys, the hog mollies up front who do it in the trenches, you know. Dude, they dude. don't really get the stats, but they're some of the most important guys on the team. Dude, let me tell you something. Football obviously I think the trenches are known to be, you know, games are won and lost in the trenches. People say that a lot. But I realized the importance of special teams this weekend. Did you watch the MSU game? Oh, yes. I did watch the MSU game. I also watched the Lions game. Both of those games are heavily impacted by special teams. I mean, I know we're being homers here and talking about our local teams, but Michigan State and Nebraska, one of the most lopsided halves of football I've ever watched in my life. Michigan State had like 12 yards in the second half. Total yards of offense. I'm talking rushing and passing. And we were down by seven with four minutes to go. There was no shot our offense was tying this game. And we had a like, we had two men deep to return a punt, and we had a little decoy, kind of fake re- punt return return for a touchdown. I don't know how else to describe it, but anyway, it tied the game. We ended up winning in overtime by a miracle, and uh, that and just shows. Th- and there you. was a there was a there was a stat that flashed on the screen. It was like, it w- we hadn't had a punt return for a touchdown yeah, in like, years. It was like ten it was years. Like, <laughs> it was crazy. What was it? It was like ten years. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was like seven or something, but it could have been more. I mean, that's the type of play. Like you said, our offense was sputtering all second half, but it really just takes one guy, one playmaker to make a play and turn the momentum. And yeah. we were able to win that game, obviously. Go green. Yeah, it's insane. Go white. I think just in general, though, when – I mean, one play can change the game like that, but we were getting dominated in that second half on offense and defense. Like, we had just nothing going for us. And then – Special teams, you're not locked in. The punt team goes out there for Nebraska, and it looked like they had never seen anything like that in their lives. I mean, there was no one even close to touching, what's his name? So, Jalen Reed. No, Jaden Reed. We have Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed. Confusing. That's right. Confusing. But anyway, big, big win for the Spartan Dogs there. We're 4-0, feeling good. Um, We got homecoming this weekend. I think I'll be going up there, so I'll have some good stories for you guys next week. Um, and then we got to talk about the Lions, guys. We're not even being homers at this point. This is national news. I mean, come on now. This is absurd. This is absolutely absurd. I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, I'm a fan of the kicking game. I'm a fan of the punting game. I'm for the brand. If you guys know Pat McAfee, I'm, I'm a big-time fan of his. And uh, Justin Tucker, just what an absolute man of a human being. To go out there in Ford Field, it's rowdy. Those fans have 30, 40 years of pent-up aggression and anger inside of them. And you go out there with three seconds left, and you knock down a 66-yarder to beat the Lions. Unbelievable. It's the most <laughs> I mean, Lions thing. Like, that's that kind of stuff happens to the Lions so much. Like, for him to not only hit it off the crossbar and, like, doink in, but for it to be a record-setting field goal mm-hmm. and the play before – that should have been called a delay of game, but wasn't mm-hmm. for some reason to the discretion of the the head judge there. Didn't call a delay of game, which would have made it a 71-yard field goal, which looking at the 66-yarder, I don't think he would have made. No, But I mean, it's just the maybe. most lion thing. It's the – they always find a way to break our heart. You know, I, I was never feeling confident um, with that win. And because I, as a Lions fan, I know that stuff like that always happens. And it, it did. It was just incredible. But like you said, hats off to Justin Tucker. Obviously, he's got an absolute cannon of a leg, if it's that makes any sense. Incredible. But also probably went home and practiced his opera. That's the fun fact about Justin Tucker is he's wow. like a world-class opera singer. I did not know that. Is there videos of this? Yeah, that's like one of his biggest hobbies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's actually insane. What a talented guy. I mean, being a kicker, dude, it's all or nothing. You go out, you leave that stadium a hero or you leave and your whole city hates you. I mean, my gosh, people are so harsh on kickers sometimes, but I mean, they had no business tying that game. I'd say you send out the 31 other kickers in the National Football League, and I don't think one of them makes that field goal. Tell me if I'm wrong. Maybe Matt Prater? No. Maybe? 
I well, did you see Matt Prater? He tried like a seventy-one yarder. It was like a it was sixty-eight, the, way short, and Agnew took it back. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He took all it lines back. involved here. But kicking all around yesterday in the NFL was crazy. We had Crosby hit the game winner when Rodgers had no time left. I don't know. I mean, why is Devontae Adams not being covered in late game? Like, he's wide open in the zone. I don't, I don't get it. It's, it's either he's, like, that hard to cover or someone missed an assignment twice, which is pretty unluck- or unlikely with that, you know, that sort of intense situation on the line. But, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like in these two-minute drills, you often, and that was a 30-second drill, but I feel like in the NFL a lot, you see, I mean, the, it's easy to say from me spectating, but the zones always seem a little soft. They're trying to avoid the big play, obviously, but both those plays were good chunks of yardage, man, and it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just don't know. I, you see that too yeah, often happen. I mean, just looking, like you said, from a from a fan perspective, obviously, I played football, Yeah, you know but more I, than think, I think one of the problems is that defenses in that situation, obviously these NFL coordinators, defensive coordinators know a lot more than me, but the defenses in those situations think that if we drop, you know, seven, eight people in coverage, there's no way they can complete a pass. Mm -hmm. But that really means that you're only rushing three guys to the quarterback. Mm -hmm. And so he can just run around and has all day to throw all day to survey options. And it's pretty much just backyard football at that point. Yeah. Whereas if you were to say, you know, for example, the Lions, they had a fourth and 19 and ended Don't up giving up a first down. If they were to just like, you know, play, play, maybe not man to man coverage, but at least rush like five guys, it would have just put way, way much more pressure on Lamar Jackson. He wouldn't have had that much time to like survey the field, maybe would have thrown it and made a mistake. But instead, we only rushed like three, I think. And he just kind of had all day and just found someone open. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, you put together a game-winning drive like that for the Niners. They go ahead with a touchdown, and then just like that, boom, game stolen, ball game. And you think you think Jimmy books. G's, yeah, you think Jimmy G's finally going to get some credit because yeah, he gets all the hate. I know. And then Aaron Rodgers just goes and steals the show like he always does. It's crazy. Just a couple of plays changes the game. Um, but I suppose it's enough football talk. The NFL, like I said, it was a crazy day yesterday. I've been enjoying the season so far. Um, I've been liking what I've been seeing out of Jamar Chase. I drafted him in fantasy. We got a couple Good touchdowns pick. for me. Great pick so far, but I'm I'm only one and two. I won this week, but I got a lot of work to do. So um, hopefully, I have a better season, better second half, and I should say, hopefully, my fantasy team's last three quarters of the season is better than the Mallards' last three quarters of the season. Or else, I'm I'm in for a <laughs> a long year. <laughs> but let's talk some whiffs. Let's talk some whiffs now, Jack. Um, Alrighty. This past week, Eagles versus Gators went up. Another series that people can look at and say, oh, it doesn't mean much. The National League is already sorted out. But they were actually fighting for you know, the number two seed in the National League. Um, yep. So there was, some, there was something to play for. And while they're still going to be playing each other again in the NLDS, um, home field advantage can mean a lot. They can get the boys hyped, get walk-offs, big momentum shifts, all that kind of stuff. So Eagles are not the one seed this year, finally, for the first time in the National League's history but they will be the two seed after taking two out of three from the Gators. A pretty good series all around. Um, it got a little sloppy at times. We saw a lot of Dallas Allen. Daniel Schultz didn't didn't pitch too much, and obviously the teams, you know, as Kyle said in the video, don't want to show all their cards moving forward as they're going to play each other again here in just a couple weeks. So, uh, Jack, do you have any takeaways from that series? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, it was I thought it was a super exciting series. I'm really excited for the playoff series just to see – you know, the full teams go at it with their full arsenal. I thought it was really cool to see the development of Dallas Allen. I mean, we talked about him very early in the season on the podcast, just about how he was kind of going with like a one or two pitch approach Mm -hmm. and just kind of throwing the same thing, trying to locate it. But this series, we really saw him mixing up his pitches, mixing up his locations. I mean, he had that absolutely disgusting. Yeah slide drop I guess you call it like I don't even know what that's called but it was it was arguably the grossest pitch I've seen this season I think it was and um I think that the Eagles have a really promising young roster obviously with Dallas but I thought uh I thought Blade also did really good at the plate yeah I think Daniel Schultz knocked out the 2021 draft out of the park I mean I think he absolutely killed it those two already have chemistry they know each other well Clearly, Dallas, his talent from baseball and his wiffle ball tournaments is translating over to MLW. I mean, that pitch, I've 
I think he has a name for it. I've been calling it the boomerang ball because it like it's oh, absolutely great name, insane. Tom, great name. It's absolutely insane how much that moves. And if this will be a tough one to translate over, but I gotta say it because it's the first thing I thought of when I watched it live. If anybody had Mario Superstar Baseball, possibly even the Sluggers one on Wii. I didn't have the Wii one, but on GameCube, Donkey Kong throws a ball. And it's a banana. It's like a special ball, and the thing comes in like what Dallas throws. Like it's. I mean, when you watch that playback in slow motion when Kyle played it back, the thing literally was moving towards like where we have the tent and the picnic table, and then just took a left turn and struck out oh, Cheatham. Yeah. Even che- everyone at the field, Gators or Eagles, jaw just hit the floor. We were like, oh my gosh, that is disgusting. Oh, yeah. You could literally just see it on Cheatham's body language. He was like just appalled that that hit the strike zone. Like, yeah. by no means did that ball have any business hitting the zone, and it absolutely painted the pipe. I like that word, Jack, appalled. It's nice. Nice one to talk about. Yeah, he was there. appalled. But I mean, other than that, you know, talking about the Gators, obviously they lost the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the pitching on like, it was really exciting. Cause I think the pitching and hitting matched each other. Like Jorgensen had a couple home runs that were hit off him, but they were like really good hits off good pitches. So it'll be interesting to see in their playoff series, what team is able to elevate which aspect of their game more, like, are they able to pitch a little bit better? Um, or are they able to, you know, maybe get a few more hits, but I think it's going to be a really evenly matched series in the playoffs, just like this one, obviously. Yeah, I feel like for me, I have more question marks in my head about the Gators than I do the Eagles. The Eagles, because I've been watching these guys for a long time, especially Daniel and Zach, and you know, I'm getting a feel for Dallas. I don't know how Blade's going to factor into the equation, but overall, they're a solid team. Um, I kind of know what they have, and I know what to expect. But I thought I had the Gators figured out after I played them after the Mallards got swept by the Gators. We were both 3-6 and six going into that series against each other, and the Gators handled us no problem. And I thought Jorgensen pitched out of his mind, Cheatham threw well. They hit everything we threw at them, and I was like, this Gators team is going to go to the World Series again. I had no doubt in my mind after that day. But then they go out there against the Eagles, and while they did show flashes of their greatness they had last year and against us, um, I wasn't like astounded by their game through and through. Jorgensen got a little wild, I believe. He had some walks mixed in there. There was a couple home runs hit. Um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm having a tough time putting my finger on this 2021 Gator squad. Like I said, they were 3-6. and six, Then they sweep the Mallards. And the Mallards, you know, had a tough time beating anybody this year. So who knows what those wins actually mean. That bumps them to 6-6. Six and six, And they now finish the season 7-8. and eight. So outside the Mallards series, that puts them at 4-8. and eight. So even though I think there's talent there, I don't know. I'm just having, like I said, I'm having a tough time putting my finger on it, and I'm like questioning their legitimacy. I guess, even though there's a lot of talent there. Well, they're definitely, they're definitely the wild card, right? Like in that mm-hmm. division, they're they're the wild card. But as we've seen in wiffle ball and also just in sports in general, wild cards can get it done in the playoffs if they get hot at the right time. And I think what mm-hmm. the Gators, the difference between the Gators from a year ago and this year is obviously. Brendan Zerlag and how he's sure. stepped up at the plate. He actually didn't even look that bad on the mound pitching, to be honest. Like he had some good mo- movement on his pitches. Thanks. I obviously don't think he'll pitch in the playoffs at all, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I think if they can get the bats hot, they can really run up the score on the Eagles if they're able to get after Dan, which is no, which is no uh, easy feat. But um, you know, we'll see how it ends up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's kind of the the key factor for that team and reason behind that is because you know you get into habits and you get into routines even like mentally and I feel like the Gators last year this is me speaking for Cheatham and Jorgensen from their perspective but who knows if this is true or not but you know when you have a weaker guy in your lineup you kind of assume you know okay I have to step up I need to be the guy to deliver because it seems like Zerlag's been getting out or only walking that kind of thing but this year has not been the case at all so when he's playing well, it's probably such a relief off of those two guys, the two from Trenton, as to, wow, we have like three good bats in this lineup now, and it's not just us hitting homers and hitting shots. We have Zerlag, too, getting on base consistently. So I think that's just a huge, like, extra gust of wind beneath the Gators' sails if he's playing well. So I do think he's the key factor heading into the postseason for them. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. So one question, if you're Daniel... What, what's your lineup in the playoffs? It's a great question. Um, 
you know, Dan's a loyal guy. He's had his, you know, his friends with him for many years on this Eagles team. The Eagles were built off of friendship and, and good times with the fellas. We've seen guys like Clayton Price, Neil Smith, Zach Whalen, even Ryan Cratch, all from the Daniel Schultz friend group pipeline. And uh, all of, you know, they've had their moments in their careers. Zach Whalen has kind of sprouted into a very solid player. You know, he's nothing, I wouldn't say he's like a league MVP candidate ever, but he's, he's solid, very solid. Um, Neil Smith on base percentage has proven to be very solid as well. Um, once again, not a lot of power hitting potential there, but he's, he knows the game well. He knows how to get on base and he's solid in the field. And now you have Neil's these, actually had one of his best years. Probably. He, I think he has too. Yeah. He's getting on base a lot. And like I said, he's, he's solid out there and right. So yeah. it's a solid team. I keep saying solid, solid, solid. Eagles so are solid. solid. They've been solid for a long time. Um, now you have these two rookies though, which really change up the equation and the formula for Daniel Schultz. So, if I'm Daniel, I think me and Waylon, as me as in Daniel, I think Daniel and Waylon are absolutely in the lineup, 100%. They have a lot of experience there, two veterans, both great players. When I look over to Neil and Clayton, I gotta say Clayton, probably I wouldn't want to put him in this series because, number one, he did have you know a very significant injury um, only, what, two years ago now, which seems like a long time, but, I mean, that can, it really affected him, you know what I mean? So, he's not the healthiest, he hasn't played a lot this year, so I'm probably not sending Clayton out there. Now, Neil has a lot of experience. I would say Dallas is a better player than him, but Neil does have the experience, like I said, he knows how to get on base, he's pretty level-headed, all that kind of stuff. So, I'm thinking if I'm Dan, my three go-to guys are Dan, Zach, Dallas, Blade, just because of his lack of experience, I'm going to cut him out of this equation. Okay. But I'm having those three guys and then Neil there as a reserve in case something goes wrong. But I don't know. It's a tough decision for sure as a manager. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good problem to have, though, because like you said, I mean, Blade's biggest weakness would just be his lack of experience. But I think he has a little bit more potential, possibly, than a Neil Smith. And like mm-hmm. you said, you know, Dan knows what he's going to get with Waylon. And uh, I think Dallas has proven himself this year, you yeah. know, at the plate and as well as on the mound. Um, but mm-hmm. overall, it's a good problem to have. I, I'm, I'm interested to see what Dan the man does. Me too. Dan, if you're listening, you are the man. Trust your gut. It'll never let you down, baby. But good luck to both those teams in their next matchup. Should be super exciting. NLDS winner to face the Diamondbacks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we discussed last series, but um, I think a lot more important than last series is the one we have upcoming this week on Friday at 4 o'clock. Jack, yes, sir. the Magic versus the Cobes, the season on the line for the Magic. What are your thoughts heading into this series? I mean, I think I mentioned it in my last blog, but would you, would you really have it any other way? You know, it feels like it always it. comes down to us, and um, I, I, love the, I love the moment. I love... Uh, the energy that my team has been bringing all year. And I, I'm, I'm confident going into this series. I know the potential that we have. And now, you know, we got two solid arms in Jason and Trevor. So I'm thinking that it'll be a, a tight series, obviously, but one where um, we, we have a good chance to do what we need to do to make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm I'm be honest. I have a lot of faith in the Magic going into this one because of the pickup of Trevor Bonham. I'm excited to see him out there in the purple, rocking the Magic Uni next to Jack and Jason, his buddy, So um, and even Liam, too. So I'm excited for the Magic. I do. If I had to bet on this series, I would go with the Magic just because nothing Bird. against Drew or anything, but, you know, he has a history of in these big games. Sometimes he can get a little flustered. He can let his mental side of things kind of affect his gameplay. So just based on that alone, I think the Magic will be a lot more poised coming into this series. I think they're going to play with a lot of heart, nothing to lose. It's exciting, this trade that happened. So 
I'd have to go Magic. However, um, the Cobras are a talented team too. So um, I'm really excited. It could go a lot of ways. And there's a tiebreaker situation, which we could get into later. But check it out on Instagram. Obviously, you guys follow us, MLW underscore Wiffle. A lot at stake here. Either the Magic are going to miss the playoffs, Cobras are missing the playoffs, or the Preds are missing the playoffs. So only one in on the AL right now is the Wildcats. Oh, yeah. But Well said, Tom. For well said. interesting perspective on this series, and by high demand on Pipe It Up via the fans and the listeners, we are going to ring in the one and only Gus to discuss his thoughts moving into this series as a Cobra. Hello? Gus, how we doing, my man? I am good. I am very good. That's good to hear. I'm glad I'm glad you're good. <laughs> okay, well I was just mentioning how you were you were in high demand for this podcast. Did you know that the Pipe It Up listeners are very interested to know more about Gus? I mean, I would be interested to learn more about me too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I am too. I, I don't really know you that well, Gus, so I guess we're all gonna get to know you together here, so it'll be exciting. Oh, Okay, so Gus, before we get to know you really well, I want to talk about a more important and urgent matter with you. Jack and I were just discussing this oh-so-important American League series coming out on Friday. It's you guys against the Magic. And I want to know what's the energy feeling like in that Cobra's dugout heading into this series with the playoffs on the line? Well, we're all very excited. Um, We're all hyped. We're trying to get that two seed, uh, three seeds, or one seeds out of the way. Um, get the sweep and get the two seed. Trying to, uh, I guess, do our best. We're going to come with a lot of energy. Um, Drew's going to be probably juiced on 1,000 milligrams of caffeine before this, <laughs> taking some, <clears throat> some uh, smelling salts on the sideline right before, doing 100 push-ups, trying to get ready for it. I mean, yeah, let's talk about that. What's it like playing for a guy like Drew in these big games? I guess this is kind of going to be your first time, but you've had, I mean, you've had other important series this year, too. Yeah. What, what's it like having that amount of energy coming out of your, your captain? It's very, it makes you more optimistic. I mean, because if you had a captain that is, oh, we just lost the first series, oh, we're, we're screwed, we're nothing good, this is going to happen. But no, after we lose the first series, Drew doesn't just stop. He'll go out of the sideline, drink a bang, and then get back out there and <laughs> throw some strikes. This is the most Drew thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Smelling salts, bang energy. I mean, that guy is just off the walls at all times. But this is a tough Magic team, though. This is a Magic team that Drew's not used to. You know, he's faced them last year. He had to deal with them with Chadwick and Jack and Liam. Now they're adding Trevor Bonham. Have you guys strategized at all, or what do you think you're going to see out of this Magic team? You're going to see more of Trevor, more of Jason, and um, what's that like? We were talking about it uh, in the group chat. We were trying to decide who uh, we would prepare for better and who would be preferred to hit against. And uh, Bonham's actually been having a great season, so obviously him being traded to the Magic was big for them. Um so going against bottom is a little bit exciting, to uh, say the least. Um, and then Chadwick, we were also preparing for, obviously. Um, we didn't really have any type of practices for them, but we, we talked about what type of pitches they had, what type of... Um, we had some advice from Jimmy, actually. Jimmy oh. texted. And, yeah, Jimmy texted into our... Uh, a, l- a little collusion, and, I hear. <laughs> like and collusion. we... Uh, we got to hear some of the pitches and what what to expect oh, the old scouting report from james yeah eh? well wow. james, james knows everything it's Jimmy, a you have been exposed on pipe well, it up i've been I'm i've been talking to, with Jimmy, I'll talk to jim sure. in between games that he'll just be able to call every pitch no matter who the pitcher is he'll wow. know what pitch is coming based on their alignment based on how they're Man. throwing the ball I didn't know it's, Jim. I didn't know Jimmy was a closet cobra. I hadn't had him pinned as that kind of guy. But uh, no, he's, he's breaking not news. Like that. <laughs> breaking news. We know who like Jimmy's rooting for in the American League. Not like that. But well, it's more. If you guys weren't aware, Jimmy and Gus do come from similar backgrounds of Livonia, Michigan. So they are, they are longtime buddies. Now on the opposite side of the ball, 
we have mostly Trenton boys from Trenton, Michigan. So Jimmy's probably is rooting for the Cobras here. So that's something to take note. One of the one of the sharper minds in MLW providing some feedback and some tips to the Cobras. Very yeah, interesting. No, he's he's insane with the analysis. He is. He really is. Like, he's got quite the brain, that guy, for wiffle ball. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Not the brain for the rest of the stuff, though. It's just for wiffle ball. Wiffle ball, maybe some bowling. You know, I've heard he's bowling. a pretty good bowler. Oh, yeah. He always, he always embarrassed me. He taught me how to bowl a little bit, but oh, yeah. I never got over, like, a two... I think 216 was my oh, that's high. Still really good. Okay, so Gus, you're you're not the average you're not the average player in this league. You're a very very Absolutely popular not. player. Um, very quickly you came in this year. Haven't even appeared in that many games, but you seem to have generated quite the fan base that is quite impressive. I'd say you have much more fans than I do nowadays. So, what's what's that like? And I don't know. When Drew offered you a spot on the team, like, did you anticipate this many people like reaching out to you or rooting for you, or what's that experience been like? Well, um, so to start, I was so confused when Drew called me to draft me. First of all. Because he, he texted me he's like a couple weeks before. He's like, hey, we may be picking you. And I was like, are you are you joking right now? Why would you do that? Um, confident man. <laughs> and he, he basically just came up or called me uh, a couple weeks later. And I was actually playing Call of Duty with my friend. And he's just, uh, he's just like, hey, we drafted you. So if you go watch the draft video uh, from 2021 when I got drafted, you can see my like initial reaction. That's actually like legit. I was literally in the middle of Call of Duty. I tur- took off my headset, saw a call from Drew Davis, and he picked me. So I was history. I was confused to say the least because the draft video is coming out in a couple of days, and he hadn't called me. He hasn't texted me or anything. So I'm like, oh, he probably found someone else. Um, Great communication, then, it seems like on the Cobras on the Cobras front office. Well, because he never. He, he, he never reached out to me. He just called me and said, yeah, I'm drafting you. I was like, all right, cool. But it's basically... An offer you can't refuse. I mean, yeah. There's no way I was going to refuse it. But with my uh, audience, I guess you can say, the Gus audience, I, yes. I, I, I didn't get it for a while. Um, I'm excited that I'm one of the players that it's the fan base, me and Curdy. <laughs> <laughs> the Cur- oh, the Curdy, the, the King, the King Curdy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm excited about having a fan base. Um, obviously, I wish I could prove myself to be a little bit better. Um, yeah, for my fan base, because I feel like right now it's mostly meme based. That's what I was gonna say. So, how does that affect you mentally as a player and as a competitor? I know you have a history as a football player. You may have played other sports growing up as well. So now, you know, you may think, people may look at you and say, oh, Gus is just a meme. He's just there for the jokes, for the videos. But are you out there to prove people wrong, or are you out there just to have a good time? Uh, well, I'd love to prove people wrong. Um, I feel like I've done that quite often in my life. But just overall, I think playing wiffle ball is just like, I've been doing it with Jimmy and Shima and Jonah for however long it's just been a fun experience some of the greats right there some of the greats yeah so i mean i've been i mean honestly if you put me against jimmy norp right now i'm hitting 450 dead center i've been off against that man wow this man (laughs) spilling it all tonight i'm piping up i love it um but i would i would say it's mostly i I mean i don't want to be just a meme i i love the fandom and I love that people are into me like that because it obviously can generate some type of uh, audience for me to have to prove myself too. Okay, I love it. Yeah, we know if Gus does something big in this series or in the postseason or next year, whatever it is, we know that the comments are going to be going crazy for Gus. We saw it with Curdy against the Diamondbacks, one of the most wholesome <laughs> moments this season so far. Gus, I hope you have a similar experience. And I want to know... Gus, obviously the series has already been played. Fans are awaiting it very patiently, and I'm sure they're excited. But are we going to see Gus on the field in this huge series? Uh, Gus will be playing in this series. I'm gonna oh, that's what we love right to hear. Gus is suiting up. Number 12. 
<laughs> Gus, if you guys want to check out Gus on, your, on his social media, do you want to plug yourself, Gus? Uh, honestly, I don't even know my at, but I'm pretty sure it's Tyler Gustitis. Oh, humble uh, man. Tyler underscore Gustitis. A humble guy, a humble guy indeed. Well, Gus, I wish you the best <laughs> of luck against the Magic. It's going to be a barn burner. Uh, try to keep Drew, uh, try to keep him under wraps. Not too many bang energies for that guy, all right? <laughs> I'll try my best. kind of hard with that, man. All right, you can get back to your call of duty now. Thanks for calling in. No problem, sir. All right, talk to you later. Thank you. Talk to you. Oh, Gus. What will we do without old Gus? Gus. I like how he said he, he's there to prove people. He wants to prove his fans that like him just for being a meme, that he wants to show them that he can play too. It's cool. I like that, yeah. I mean, he's I tell you what, I'm definitely going to have to have a word with Jimmy, though. Yeah, this is interesting. Him just providing free intel is, Gus a, just, is a little suspect. Gus just spilled a little tea. I'm not going to lie. That was interesting. Jimmy is exposed. Jimmy, you've been exposed live on the air. We're not cutting that out. And nope. I want to know, Jimmy, how much are they paying you? What do I got to do to get some of that? Seriously. Some of that intel. I could use some intel. I could use a whole lot of intel over here in the Mallards. We could use anything at this point. I'll take a ham sandwich from you at this point. I need anything to get me a win, let alone some Jimmy Norp intel. I mean, come on now. Give it to those of us who need it, Jim. Come on now, man. Throw a dog a bone every once in a while. You know what I mean? Gosh. All right. No, that's fine. I, I mean, I, I, I like Gus. He's a really good guy. Obviously, you can tell from that interview. Um, I think it is a little bit questionable, just the front office of the Cobras as a whole. Obviously, we heard about their mm-hmm. their top-notch communication, as it sounds like. <laughs> but, um, I mean, was that Drew Davis's goal was basically to just have a meme on his team? Was he just going for content? Or is he really just waiting for the right time to unleash Gus? So, here's the thing. I don't really know what Drew's intentions were with the pick, but it sounds like Gus does have some wiffle ball experience playing with some of right. the league's very best players. So we know he's got some talent. What level of talent, I don't really know yet. Has that, been, has that potential been fully seen? I'm not really sure. But here's what everyone in our league likes to say. I don't really know if this has surfaced the internet yet. We look back at these last, last two drafts, okay, or only two drafts in this league's history so far. In 2020, we saw Drew trade his pick to Brendan Zerlag and the Gators when Drew was quoted saying, I'll be happy when the Gators win zero games again this year in a year in which they won the World Series, of course. Drew lost that pick, and Zerlag chose Chris Cheatham, the near MVP of last year and, you know, the Gators' star player. And with the pick that Drew received from the Gators, which is now number eight overall, he chose Gus. So essentially what we saw there, folks, was a straight-up trade, Chris Cheatham for Gus. <laughs> That's the moves that are being made in the Cobras front office. I mean, does Drew have a level head? Is he level-headed enough to really run a franchise in this league? And year after year, I don't really know. I think we're going to learn a lot this Friday in this series as to if Drew can actually maintain himself and keep his composure and win some games when he needs to. I mean, you just heard from Gus, the smelling salts, the bang energies. I mean, I don't know. Just go out yeah. there and win the game, man. I guess if you need that stuff, feel free. But what do you think, Jack? Is Drew capable of, of running a franchise now? It's been five years. It's been five years. With well, the that's, the, that's the thing is I, he, I know he's competitive because I play against him and I see how he acts. Mm-hmm. And I know he wants to win very bad. So... I don't understand the rationality behind some of his, like you said, basically essentially trading Cheatham for Gus. I mean, <laughs> Gus, we love you, but Cheatham's proven, you know, he's a player in this league. And I feel like Drew is like, is basically like Matt Ryan in the sense that he's a little bit, um, for lack of a better term, hung over from the Super Bowl, hung over from when, they blew that 2-0 lead to you guys, right? I mean, we've seen in the Falcons, they've just gone absolutely downhill from there. I mean, they're an atrocious franchise now, mm-hmm. almost as bad as the Lions. But That's not possible. Drew, I think Drew, his head after that series just got a little bit scrambled, and he's still the competitive guy. He's still the great football player, but some of his moves are definitely questionable. Yeah, it's hard, man. I mean, Drew... Is a little, I mean, that has to have a lasting mental effect on a guy. You know what I mean? 
when you see how hard rings are to come by nowadays, and I've said this before, the Cobras were a far more talented team in that 2017 World Series, and they essentially just, instead of accelerating to 80 miles per hour on the freeway, they kept the cruise, he set the cruise control at 70 after game two, okay? And that cost yep. him the series, and Drew looks back at that now still ringless and with a totally different roster, and now instead of being a confident guy who has already a ring under his belt and is just looking for number two, he now has the pressure on his shoulders of getting his first ring, and it's been five years now, five seasons, I believe, for this, this Cobras team. It actually might be season six. We have 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. 21 is year six for Drew Davis. No rings yet. For a guy no who's rings. seen as one of the better players in this league. So it has to weigh on him mentally. I 100% agree with you. And he was quite young when he did blow that lead. I want to say he was only 16 at the time. So I mean, that can that, laid, that had a lasting impact, I think. I think, I think it, there's I something think to say have. about that. I think absolutely there's something to say about that. Um, I think a lot of that, and you know, now we're all getting older, and yes, years do matter, but I think a lot of what benefited the Mallards in our 2017 run was just the maturity level of our team. Not that we were mature, you know, we were still immature. We were 17, 18 years old. But Daniel was only, you know, just coming into high school, drew the same, so and all those guys. So I think that benefited us a lot. And uh, actually winning that championship somehow we found a way, but yeah I don't know Drew this this is a very important series for Drew as well as the remainder of this postseason if they get there I think I think these Cobras fans are getting a little anxious you know they've been close they've had solid squads but they haven't really put it all together and you know won anything meaningful in quite some time now what are your thoughts? Well I mean so I guess the pressure is not totally on them right because if I'm getting the the tiebreakers right the cobras really only have to win one game to get in correct one game that's all and they, they would be the three but mm-hmm. then if they if they win two they would be the two seed yes that's correct right okay so um so i think gus might have got that wrong in the interview but either way they don't have all the pressure in the world on them so um, I think that'll actually benefit them benefit them a little bit because I think the pressure can get to people. Um, and I hate to keep knocking on Drew, but especially Drew. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of why I like playing the Cobras. At I was going to say, year. yeah, how does that weigh on you as an opponent? Like, as an opponent, what? as an opponent, you have to look at Drew as a guy you can kind of exploit, and at times when he's struggling mentally. Yeah. No. I. Oh, I would. 100% rather face Drew in the last series of the year than probably any other starter now mm-hmm. in MLW. That makes total sense. I agree with you. And, you know, that can be changed. It can be changed, but just with the history he's had, that's what you have to speak on. You know what I mean? So yeah. I agree. And, w- yeah, the tiebreaker thing, once again, all the details are on Instagram. If we're confusing you guys, you don't have it clear in your head. I'm confused. So, yeah, Trust I- me, I'm, I'm so confused. confused. And we're past this. Know. So check it out on our Instagram post. It's um, MLW underscore Wiffle. Check out the all of the tiebreaker rules. But enough of plugging our own Instagram. Let's head over to today's ad read. We have another ad back on the pod. And this one goes out to the Sports Boys YouTube channel. If you like MLW, then check out the Sports Boys YouTube channel. Sports Boys has an in-depth analysis, breakdowns, and highlights of all the MLW action. Plus plenty of pro sports coverage, including NHL, MLB, and NFL. MLW playoffs are coming up, and the Sports Boys are the place to go for great coverage and highlights. Subscribe to them now on YouTube. Thank you, Sports Boys. Sounds like if you're a fan of this podcast, you'd be a fan of their channel. Little Wiffle Talk, little general sports talk. I mean, you can't go wrong with that kind of stuff. A little bit of everything. A little bit of razzle-dazzle, as I like to say. Okay. A little bit of Randall McDaniel. A little bit of Randall McDaniel. All right. It is now time for today's cue of the Day. Q. 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 Q of the day. For this week's question of the day, this has been requested by multiple people, so I'm not going to give anybody a shout-out um, specifically. I've seen this a lot. But we've been asked this in you know different variations of it, um, but the gist of the question is about walk-up songs. So a lot of people ask, you know, what's your walk-up song? What would be your walk-up song? But, Jack, I want to pose the question to you, too, is you can also give your walk-up song. But what makes a great walk-up song in baseball or wiffle ball? Or I guess any sport, really. Yeah, I, when, I think of a, when I think of a walk-up song, it's really just 
the song that you can put on no matter what, and it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to, A, put you into the proper mental state, as one might say, lock in, mm-hmm. right? You hear the song, you know what your job is, it's all business. Or the other way to look at it is to have a song that's going to keep things kind of light or like loose. You know, you're kind of walking up, feeling a little swaggy when you hear it kind of just like getting in the groove you know getting your tempo going Mm -hmm. um not necessarily like super focused so like to give an example two that i could think of that i might use and i'll shout out kyle garricky because when he was in the league he had a great one which was enter sandman yeah metallica i probably would go um like master of puppets also by metallica but like a heavy rock she go rock my other Song would probably be like an ASAP Rocky song. Oh, uh, praise praise the Lord. That'd be pretty sweet, actually. I like that. I like ASAP Rocky a lot, and that song is just always one like I listen to before games and stuff. Mm-hmm. It gets me hyped up. Okay. So, okay. What about I, you, Tom? What do you think? So, uh, what makes a great song? You you did a really good job of explaining that. I think to me, you could take it in a couple different directions. Like you said, something to lock in, something to keep it light, or just maybe a song you like. Um, But I think, yeah, what's most important about it is don't try to be a crowd pleaser with it. You know, just put something on that you like and that you're going to just, you're just ready to hit the, you're ready to smack the crap out of the ball when you go up there. Totally agree with that, yeah. But I wanted to also sprinkle in the fact that I've seen some guys, um, both in college and in the pros, kind of take the comedic approach to it too where you put something like kind of random, which is funny. I don't know if that'll help you focus, but if it keeps you loose, like I think that kind of works. Um, I hope I'm not misquoting this, but there was a thing. You can Google it. It'll probably come up. I want to say it was Josh Reddick on the A's. And forever, he had this song, like his whole career almost, was a song called Careless Whisper. If you look that up, you'll hear it. Okay. And uh, it was pretty funny. It was It's hard to explain, but it's not like a walk-up song you'd think of. And I'm pretty sure he had that for several years. I forget the reasoning behind it. And then there was other guys. I remember there was a guy on the Michigan State baseball team when I knew a guy who worked for the team. Yes, that was it. Like I think someone said he looked like Eminem or he bleached his hair or something. And <laughs> this is when my co- I had a coach that worked there. This was years ago. And um, so he, he like had an Eminem song in there uh, kind of as a joke. So that was kind of funny too, I thought. But I think if I had to pick yeah. a, f- a funny song to walk out to, I'd probably do like a Kesha song. Or have you ever heard of Come On by Kesha? That song is a great song. Yep. Always a party, yep. a party go-to for me. Maybe like Kelly Clarkson, Since You've Been Gone. That's a classic song. I think it's hilarious just to play as a dude. So oh, those yeah. two are good, funny songs. Serious? I think I, if I was like actually a pro, I might go the route. Also, wait, one more thing before I forget. If mm-hmm. you were bald, you'd have to play a Pitbull song. Oh. That's, that's, that's guaranteed. Hey. And... That was just a quick thought I had. But if I was a pro, I think I might go the route of like, especially if I was playing in Detroit, which would be awesome, would be like a Motown. Okay. Like a, like a My Girl, maybe. Like that would get the crowd going. <laughs> that, that would but be I sweet. still love that song. That would be sweet. So I'd kind of be like grooving to it, you yeah, know? Yeah, that would actually be sweet. See, I feel like a city thing would be cool. Like if I'm in Detroit, I feel like I would want like Big Sean as my walk-up song. Like in Philly, I'd want Meek Mill, that kind of thing. Like that would be pretty yeah, cool, I sure. think. Or Chicago, you'd have Juice. All that kind of stuff would be cool. I'm trying to think of what I would pick right now. I would probably... Mm, I, I liked your ASAP Rocky pick, by the way. That was, that was a good one. Do you like that song? I, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good pick. Um, I remember there was a song... If you guys look up the 2017 postseason hype video Kyle posted on Twitter... That was a song that we like when we were making walk up songs. I like somehow found it. I think from a YouTube video, just like searching like best hype songs. It was a song called Dead or Alive by somebody. I don't even remember. And that song was super hype back in the day. I didn't have that as my walk up song though. I had like a flume remix song as a walk up song that I stole from Costi you know Nick Castellanos, popular player now in the MLB. Yep. I had I had that. Um but right now and that's a deep shot to left field <laughs> oh don't get into that <laughs> and then i'll make it a four nothing ball game <laughs> um but right now um some of the podcast listeners or the youtube fans might know that i'm unshamefully a russ fan so i think 2017 classic me you by russ would be my my pick 
that song I would like in nice. high school, and it'd be it'd be a, a throwback for it. So I'd say that. But um, yeah, what are your guys' walk up songs? I'd be curious. We could make a little pipe it up MLW Spotify playlist of all the boys' walk up songs, all the listeners. So feel free to send us a that DM. That would be a good idea. And uh, let us know. Let us know. Send them in. Uh, Jack, I, I got a question for you. Go ahead. Go ahead. He says, "We're now both twenty-two, I think, right? Or did you turn twenty-three already?" No, I think I'm still twenty-two. Okay, you think? Okay. No, I'm just. Kidding. We don't even know. We're losing track. That's leads yeah. into my question perfectly. Is do you feel old, or do you feel like you're still young in your head, or as you look at the situation? Oh, that's such a great question. I would say mentally. I feel young, but physically, especially with um, the wear and tear of sports, I'm starting to feel my my body get a little bit older. Mm-hmm. I think that's the classic dilemma with humans just in general. You always see those sci-fi movies of like, how can I extract my brain and put it into like a younger body or something? But <laughs> I really think it's like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you've seen so many movies like that, but I think it is true to a sense like, I feel, I don't really feel like worn out mentally, um, at least not all the time, but um, definitely physically, there's starting to be a little bit of ailments here and there. Obviously, I'm young and healthy, but I mean, yeah, yeah. So that's a good, actually, a good thing to talk about. Like, do you think playing a pretty intense college sport at Division One level, like, do you think that's helped you? I think it's helped your body physically like stay in shape and stay healthy. Or do you think the wear and tear of the physicality of it's kind of had more of a negative effect than a positive effect? Um, that's a good question. I think it's in terms of like the cardio and stuff like that, there's mm-hmm. not really like a better thing you could do unless you were just running around all the time for like three hours a day. Mm-hmm. But, um, and like the, the stopping and starting of the sport is just a, a tough thing to like duplicate unless you're actually actually like practicing or playing. Yeah. And the physicality, it's not as bad as like football where you're just like constantly waking up with bumps and bruises like you are, but it's not, it's not the same as football where like your entire body hurts. It's more like muscular and stuff. I think it's less of like, I, I still feel strong with my muscles, but I think the wear and tear mm-hmm. comes more with like my joints, like, Mm-hmm. My ankle literally cracks. I mean, you've heard me walk. My ankle cracks every step that I take. And like my knees do and my, you know, my hip will crack every now and then. But mm-hmm. I think that just kind of comes with the territory. Overall, I would say I'm probably in a better physical, like in better physical shape than most 22 year olds, even though mm-hmm. I may not feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard and it'll be interesting to see once your career is over as a lacrosse player, like how you transition like how do your how do your body transitions in the next few years if you like it's a big adjustment for you because that's like yeah. i've really realized that the most this year from wiffle ball and the whole baseball thing you know i stopped playing baseball um when i was 18 so now i'm four years removed from that but i was still you know so i wasn't throwing baseballs anymore but i was still throwing wiffle balls pretty consistently so my arm was like in shape you know what i mean and like my body was still like pretty flexible and like i was used to that used to those muscles being worked, you know, but then with this pec injury, like me stopping throwing for six months plus, like that seemed to be like a really, really big wake up call in terms of like how important like the reps are of just keeping your body like in motion and um, all that kind of stuff. Cause now like you guys saw like part of the problem with my pitching this year was not only like just the inconsistency, but was just the labor on my body was so much worse because my muscles weren't trained to like just be in shape in that particular way. You know what I mean? So it's kind of hard yeah, to explain, but yeah, I mean that's the that's the most frustrating thing about fitness is it's so hard to get to where you want to be and so easy to lose it. I know, dude. Like you worked your whole life and played sports your entire life and ha- like you said like had a strong arm, had great flexibility and then you know, took had a ailment for 6 months and it feels like you're starting from square one and it, you probably didn't realize it, but your physical ability was you know, nowhere where it once was probably around like week three mm-hmm. or, or week four. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. You were just saying like how quickly you can lose it and just like the whole like working out thing. Yeah. So I've, I've completed physical therapy already. I wasn't in there for too long because it had been so long since this injury occurred. 
um, for reference, once again, like happened mid-March, and now here we are near late September. So I only probably went in twice a week for about four or five weeks before my strength is, in their mind, back at a five. My strength is like a five out of five kind of thing. But that's just saying like your muscles now are ready to recover. Like you're strong enough to get back into, you know, rehabbing it kind of thing. So right. funny f- story for you guys. If you do work out or anything like that, one of the oddest experiences of my life. So I'll, I'll give you guys some numbers for reference. So let's say in a typical chest workout um, six months ago, if I was doing dumbbell bench press, I'd probably on a normal day, I'd probably start with um, 10 reps at 60 then I would do 10 reps at 65 pound dumbbells. Then I'd maybe do seven or eight at 70, and then maybe four, five, or six at 75, depending on the day. So like, I was lifting a lot for my weight because I only weighed about 185. I was in great shape. Now, pause that. After doing that for years and years and years, don't do it for six months ever. Don't even attempt to do it. So then she's like, yeah, just go back to the gym. And she's like, just start doing it with very light weights. And I was, I was taking her very seriously because I did not want to get hurt again, start this whole process over again because it's absolutely sucked. So I go in first day, Planet Fitness, with no shame. I grab 15-pound dumbbells, okay? I sit on that bench, and I do four sets of 10. Felt a little weird on my left side where it was hurt, like not really painful. It just felt kind of off, if that makes sense. And like the right side just going through the motions, but like no real, you know, burn or pain or anything i'm essentially just going through the motions okay so i did like four sets regular four sets incline and i did some like flies with only 10 pound dumbbells so super super light and i am not kidding you jack the next morning was like i had maxed out the next day i was so incredibly sore in my chest and triceps and it was the weirdest thing I was like, how is this even possible? I didn't even like, it didn't even hurt while I was doing it. Why am I so sore now? Like, it felt like someone punched me in my chest over and over again. I was so confused. I told the, like, I told the physical therapist that the next time I went in and she's like, yeah, I told you you'd be sore. And I was like, I didn't think I'd be sore like that. Like, oh yeah. my gosh. Like every movement but, hurts. But oh that's, my that's God. I was happens. so sore. It was the weirdest thing. I can't even describe it. That's what happens when you, when you don't use muscles, they kind of go to sleep almost so to speak you know i think when you said that i think about when i was younger and i would go tubing and like this i still you know played sports and stuff Mm -hmm. but i would go tubing and i would wake up the next day so sore just because you're using muscles that you like normally don't use like Mm -hmm. when you play football or you play baseball once you like get over the initial soreness you don't get sore because you're using the same muscles but Mm -hmm. as soon as you flip the sport and you like start playing hockey or you like start playing soccer or you go tubing mm-hmm. all your muscles that you weren't using in your other sports are now activated and you just get so sore yeah well that was the problem too with the whole my whole arm thing like i was telling kyle at whiffle in the mitten you know because at this point i was in physical therapy i was like good enough to go out there and at least try you know what i mean it was my right arm pitching not a big deal but when I was pitching at Wiffle in the Mitten, I was like, dude, my bicep's on fire right now. Because, like, I hadn't thrown in so long. And, like, my in baseball or wiffle ball, my bicep would never hurt. I'd maybe get elbow pain. That'd be it. But I was like, my yeah. bicep feels like I just did 10,000 curls. Like, it's just on fire. Like, I couldn't even pitch anymore. So it's been yeah. weird. But already now, it's been, like, three weeks since that, that first time I went back. And I've been going up just, like, five pounds a week. So if I work out, like, twice a week on chest, then now 15 to 20 to 25. So this morning... Yeah, this morning I had 25-pound dumbbells, and like tomorrow I guarantee I won't be sore because I, I haven't been sore since that first day. It was just so – coming yep. back into it, it was just the weirdest thing. I was so incredibly sore from such light weight. It's crazy. So I don't and know. And the other oh. part – yeah, and the other part just about like, um, you know, using those muscles, like when I watch myself, the very few times I've pitched a wiffle ball, mm-hmm. I – I can see what I'm doing wrong. Like I see that I'm not really extending my arm. I'm not really like snapping my wrist, but I physically don't have the flexibility in my shoulder and in my elbow to do that. Like I played football and I played lacrosse, which are pretty like straight up sports. Like you're not, you're not really like bringing your arm like all the way out here other than when you're like shooting in lacrosse, but I don't really have that good of a shooting motion lacrosse either Mm -hmm. because my shoulders just don't have that flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, it's just weird. That's when I think of like asking about getting old and that kind of stuff. I think a lot about this whole injury thing because that's changed my perspective a lot about how fast things can change, man. It sucks. I I feel like from 
18 to 21, I feel like I matured a lot. And like I like when I was 21 and like even like this spring at college, like being like wrapping up school, like I felt old, like I not old, old, but I felt like mature to a sense. Like I felt like I had a better sense of like everything going on in the world and like where I was going and all that kind of stuff. But being home now, as well as getting back into working out, I feel like I feel so young again because now um, it's just me at my house, my parents again. Like I haven't spent, you know, every day with my parents for a long period of time since high school. And now I'm back there yeah. again. And then like working out now, I'm super skinny like, just trying to, like, learn everything again, like, I'm 12 years old, so that's been weird, as well as just, like, um, as well as just, like, nothing, like, major to look forward to outside of, like, breaks and, like, from work, like, holidays, it reminds me of school, you know, like, when you're looking forward to Thanksgiving break or that kind of thing, you know, right. so it's just a weird transition, and now I almost feel young again in a bad way, like, I feel immature even though I'm 22, so, I don't know, that's my perspective on it. But, I don't know, it's been weird. It's been a weird couple months, I guess. Graduating's weird. I, <laughs> you feel, it's like, it it's really weird when you graduate college. It's kind of like, like you. I mean, to put it in simpler terms, it's like, you're happy that you did it and got over with, and you feel like you're an adult entering the world now, but then at the same part, at the same point, like, unless you have a, had a place to just move out right after, you, like, go back and live with your parents, and then you're like, all right, what am I doing? Yeah, here? exactly. You know what exactly. I mean? Like you obviously have a job and stuff and like know where you're going, but like you said, it does kind of just like almost flip your timeline over and bring it, you back yeah, to like it, right where you were before you went to school. Exactly. It feels like 100%. And part of the thing too, I feel like is in high school, at least probably cause you're younger. Like I feel like high school took a while, like going through high school oh, was yeah. like a long experience. Like it was a good chunk of your childhood. was just high school, like from being a freshman to graduating like just so much happened like as you mature and as you learn and go through things but like when i left high school yeah i missed it but i was like i'm ready for the i'm ready for college i'm ready for the next chapter kind of thing and you know this spring i was saying like yeah i'm ready to graduate and move on and that kind of thing and i was because like i mean i'll be honest like some days of school i was miserable just like from all the schoolwork and the stress and like yep. all that kind of stuff i mean obviously some days you have a ton of fun you know going out and partying and meeting people and all that kind of stuff and those just living with your friends, your roommates, is are great experiences. But sometimes, like, the stress of school can outweigh that. And you can be miserable even though you're, like, living in one of the most exciting times of your life. So, like, now that I'm done and looking back on it, it's like college went by so much faster than high school. And I feel like I didn't appreciate it enough while I was there. Yeah, I I, I try to take every moment in and, and see it as it is and enjoy it uh, now. I'm so bad that. at that. I'm so bad at that. I'll be completely. So yeah, just, I mean, I, I catch myself doing it too, like not appreciating what's going on or just kind of looking too far ahead when it's really important to just like live in the present. Yeah. That's probably my biggest flaw. And my friends probably can attest to this too. I feel like I'm always like thinking about the past saying how great it was or like talking about things that are going to happen in the future, but I'm never like always 100% in the moment. And I feel like that's, I don't know. It's so. How do you like deal with that? I don't know. It's weird. I heard of. I, I don't have I the. Solu- I don't have the solution on, on, yet. What was that? So I don't have the solution yet for that problem. Uh, I heard a quote from this. I forget what player it was, but it was like an NFL mic'd up session, um, and the guy just kept saying, "What would you do if tomorrow wasn't guaranteed?" I know. You change just your whole over world. and over again. He kept saying that to his to his teammates. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe just have that thought pop into your mind every now and again, Tom. What would you do if tomorrow wasn't guaranteed? You're right. You're right, Jack. You're right. Because it's not. It's not guaranteed. That's the crazy it's thing. It's not. It feels, life feels so permanent, but it's so fragile. So fragile. But I, and it can I, change in an instant. It really can change in an instant for good and for bad. So it's a little scary. But I had this realization, too, about like the present moment thing. I feel like all the songs I listen to, like my favorite songs... I like them because, A, they either, like, make me think of the past, like, a moment, good or bad, and then, or, B, songs I like, like, make me, like, hungry for the future. Does that make sense? Okay. You know what I mean? I, th- I kind of feel that way, too, like, now that you say that. But I also sometimes pick my music. I don't know. I see what you're saying. But I also sometimes pick my music just, like, 
based on what I'm doing or how I feel at that time. You know what I mean? Like if mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm like happy or like I'm energetic, I'll pick something that like goes along with that. Mm-hmm. That's true. But that's if I'm just listening to music, like music for some, for some inspiration or just like in a car ride, you're right. I'm totally picking songs that like remind me of good times or maybe some bad times and yeah. or songs that like get me hyped up for like what's about to come. Yeah. I totally agree with that. But wow, we got deep today on the podcast. I love it. We did get a little deep there, didn't we? <laughs> Just me and Jack on a Monday night <laughs> reminiscing on life. It's our little therapy session. <laughs> no, that was that was the goal. So it's all good. But I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed it and learned from it, and it made you think. I think that's the goal of uh, listening to a podcast, right? To be a little intellectually challenged. It's not all about wiffle ball sometimes, I guess. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, what was our sixty-four guys' name, Jack? Remind me. Do you remember? Uh, Randall McDaniel. Randall McDaniel. Hope you guys enjoyed the Randall McDaniel episode. Uh, send us a DM. Who's a famous athlete who wore 65 so we can get ready for next week? But, uh, yeah, guys, that's a wrap. See you next time. Peace. Um, well, can I, can I talk about what happens? Or does this come out before the... No, okay. Th- okay, let's break it down. Hold on <laughs> one second, Gus. So, don't, don't, don't spoil it. Talk about, like, the energy you guys had before okay. before the series. 